THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Hacha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you back to episode 525 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. Nerds, life got in the way, jobs and travel and whatnot. Wives, don't get me started on that. But we're back! And my name is Matt Buck. I really hope we remember how to do this. Hmm. I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. In this week's episode, we're reviewing eight of Wednesday, April 17th's new comics, maybe a few from last week, with spotlight reviews of Marvel's latest crossover event, War of the Realms, and the new image fantasy epic, Fair Lady. Then it's down to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where our must-read picks for next Wednesday come with a price. And finally, it's time for another trip to the Marvel Lake House where J.D. Gotta Catch Em All is rapping about comics from six damn months ago. Why do we even care about this? It's ridiculous. But before we start pretending like episode 524 never happened and everything is just fine, we better talk about this week's Nerd News. Nerd News? During a recent shareholders conference, Disney finally confirmed details about their upcoming Disney Plus streaming service and its live action series set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Marvel president Kevin Feige announced that Tom Hiddleston, Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan, Elizabeth Olsen, and Paul Bettany will all return to their big screen roles in the long form series Loki, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and something that he referred to as... WandaVision. No. No, no, no. That is terrible. Now in glorious WandaVision. (laughs) So dumb. Feige also revealed what the first episode of the original animated series based on What If would be, describing it as what if Peggy Carter got the powers from the super soldier serum and Steve Rogers remained his scrawny self, but was given a super powered suit of armor designed by Howard Stark. There's a lot. Here's my question. That's a lot going on there. If Steve Rogers never gets recruited by the Super Soldier program, how do they right. even know who he is? They're like, hey, scrawny nerd, we can't get anyone that can fit in this tiny little suit. <laughs> you think you can do it? It's very small. He's like little Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> the series will feature actors who originated their live action roles voicing the characters. This could be what Avengers Endgame co-director Joe Russo was teasing months ago when he said that Chris Evans no. was, quote, not no. done yet. No. Playing Steve no. Rogers after Endgame. No, no. They, he, they also went, and then they like went on to say like, well, Secret Wars? No, 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 no. That no, can't no. be it. This the, can't be it. The Russos said that they were done with Marvel movies after this. I know, I know, but they're not. They the also right lie. Money, they'll be they also yeah. lying liars. Through their teeth. But also, that's not the biggest news here. Iger also announced, that's Bob Iger, Disney uh, head monkey muck. Yeah. Announced that the service will be ad free. It will allow users to download titles for offline use and that it will cost just $6.99 a month or $69 nice dollars per year. That is a swift kick to the crotch of Netflix Dude, is what that Netflix's is. Netflix's stock dropped like $8 billion or yeah, something. Yeah, like a day. damn rock. It was crazy. 
Separately, Variety has reported that Disney Plus is planning a Hawkeye solo show starring Jeremy Renner. The Hollywood Trade reports that the show, which is described as an adventure series, will follow Clint Barton training his successor, Kate Bishop, to take on the mantle of Hawkeye, which is, of course, loosely based on their relationship in the comics. Right. I love it. I love it. I love it, too. I love it. I love it, too. I mean, huge endgame spoilers if you if you were expecting any of these characters to die. Well, uh, come on. Though, then again, we don't know when they take place. Like, I heard that right. Loki was all over the timeline. Yeah, this could be in the past, too. Who knows? Yeah. I think Hawkeye's going to get a happy ending. I think he's going to I think he's gonna reunite with his family and retire. Like he's going to go to that Asian masseuse in Florida that the president of the Patriots went to. and like Yeah, happy ending. <laughs> and then they'll just be like, hey, just admit you did it, and we'll let you off the hook. And Hawkeye will be like, all right, I did it. And they'll be like, all right, get out of here. <laughs> now, uh, no actor has been cast yet as Kate Bishop, but... Faggy has been teasing the potential for an MCU Young Avengers style team up uh, because they did cast a, a grown up Cassie Lang. Yeah, that's so true. I'm thinking it's going to happen. Why not? That'd be awesome. Do Young Avengers. I'm totally into it. This is the place to do it too. build so, them up and then give us a movie and yes. be like, oh, look at that, DC. Oh, we can turn our TV shows into movies like you should be friggin doing right. Uh, now, we don't know yet when these uh, shows are going to be released, but Disney Plus launches, I believe, November 12th. And don't forget, this is going to have all the original Star Wars stuff, too. All the, all, all the Star Wars. All uh, the Disney movies. All of Marvel and everything that Disney has, except for the racist stuff that they don't want you to know about. Right. Now, okay, I was just oh, and in Orlando. all 30 seasons of The Simpsons. Yes, I was just about to go there. I was just at Universal Studios in Orlando last week, and I went to The Simpsons area, you know, area, and it was awesome. And I went to the Marvel area and stuff, and that was cool, too. I am betting they lose all of that stuff. And Marvel is pulling this all back in-house. Because they are planning a major Star Wars thing at Disneyland right now. It would not surprise me if you see the Marvel Park moving over there soon, too. I don't know. I mean, the Universal Studios theme park is a pretty established institution. It'll be kind of interesting I mean, to they, see what they They have do. the rights to the old Universal cartoon stuff is what they've got, basically. Mm. But the Spider-Man ride still kicks ass. It was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> uh, I think this is huge news. Like, Disney Plus seems like a no-brainer yeah for anyone for 6.99 i'll even pay for it and i love stealing this shit <laughs> in other disney news <laughs> the subtitle and first teaser for the upcoming worst star wars movie ever made episode ix i think that's 12 episode was x at this year's Star Wars celebration, the film will be subtitled The Rise of Skywalker. And the teaser showed Rey in full command of her force abilities, new creatures, new droids, a return to Lando, and it teased the resurrection of Emperor Palpatine. Actor Ian McDiarmid appeared on stage at Star Wars celebration following the debut of the trailer, confirming his role in the film. Much to many people's chagrin, he is not going to be a clone, and they are not doing the original clone saga, so shut up. Star Wars Episode 9. We don't know. Mark we don't know nothing. <laughs> they are not. They're not. While they haven't announced any specific projects, Lucasfilm has, in fact, officially announced a new trilogy after this film by The Last Jedi director, Ryan Johnson. In November 2017, a new series of films written and produced by Game of Thrones creators David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. In February, Iger cited a focus on television for new Star Wars projects as the reason 
for the film hiatus because there's going to be a long break after this. But you're going to get it'll be a break. Right. And you're going to get the Mandalorian TV series premiering again on Disney Plus, which will also host unspecified future Star Wars TV projects. There's a bunch coming down the pike. That said, Joe, how do you feel? Teaser trailer. Dude, I friggin' loved it. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. They know how to make a trailer. It looked cool. It didn't give anything away. I don't think there is anything to either completely freak out about or to be mad about. So anyone that is going either direction needs to settle down so and there, see what else we get. Okay? There, there were some people uh, with the with the re- return of Palpatine and the subtitle Rise of Skywalker. Uh, there were some people that are that were worried that they were going to walk back a lot of the stuff that they did in no. Last Jedi. No, that it doesn't mean anything. Every time. They've given us these hints. What happened? We were totally wrong about the well, direction. Well, yeah, and I'm here to tell you that if you don't think that they knew what was going to happen in episode nine when they made episode seven, you're fooling right. yourself. Absolutely. Now, like, look, it's called The Rise of Skywalker. And what have we heard? The, like, what was the first thing that happened in the first Star Wars? We saw Obi-Wan teaching Luke Skywalker how to be a Jedi. He gets in a fight with Darth Vader. And what does he say? Strike me down and I will become more powerful than you can ever imagine i don't think it's even about that this is my theory my theory is that uh by the end of the movie whether it's ray or ray and ben who has redeemed himself form a new order and they're not jedi they're not called the jedi maybe they're called the skywalkers and I that think, is I think the it's dumbest be, shit I've ever heard. It is <laughs> not. That is We're going to be awesome. a new gang called the Skywalkers. Not a new gang. They don't have jean jackets, Matt. They're not like Get standing on a street here. corner. No way. Yeah, that I sucks. think it's going to be the term for the whatever form Force users take after the end of this Skywalker saga. See, I think you're, we're going to see Rey restart the Jedi Order, and we're going to see Kylo Ren go the other way because they both understand there has to be a balance in the force. It can't be all good. It can't be all bad. Well, that is how it works. They constantly said this guy's supposed to be the balance, the balance in the force and the balance is not good or bad. It's, it's somewhere not going to be about Luke. I'm telling you it's somewhere uh, gray. I'm not saying it's necessarily Luke. I'm just saying he will be there as a ghost or whatever. Now, but so Keith, our friend, Keith Binder, um, oh God filled me in on some star Wars expanded universe lore that is probably not canon anymore, but they, doesn't they count, might. but they might, you don't know. They, they cherry pick. Oh, please. Um, there's this idea of the gray Jedi, which are like light and dark side balanced. Sure. And that could be something that a direction they go in where there is no more Jedi. There is no more Sith. There's only, Perfectly balanced force wielders. Meh. Yeah, they're going to meet. I think Luke and Emperor Palpatine's ghosts meet like the weird old dudes in the Dark Crystal and the Skeksis, and they like kiss, and then they like a laser shoots out of them, and they're like, and they become this perfect gray gay thing that like rules the force forever and ever, right? Just like the end of Dark Crystal. Wow. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. All right. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's talk about comics. DC has announced the return of Gerard Way's Young Animal imprint, which we thought was gone for good. Oh, finally, we can, yeah, the Occupy Young Animal movement can stop, (laughs) and we can all settle down. Everybody go home, it's coming back. It's going to feature the return of the Doom Patrol, along with two new series called Collapser and Far Sector. 
Okay. Things kick off on July 3rd with the release of Doom Patrol colon Weight of the Worlds, written by Way and Jeremy Lambert, with art by James Harvey, Doc Shaner, Nick Patara, Becky Cloonan, and more. That is quite a lineup. Yeah, I love all of those people. Here's a bit of a description. The world's strangest superheroes return in an all-new series that takes them beyond the borders of time and space. The Doom Patrol will go on an epic road trip around the solar system, facing off against the unusual and bizarre, including the fanatical fitness fiends, (laughs) fanatical (laughs) fitness fiends, of planet Orbeus and the Marathon Eternal. Uh, Ooh, big changes are coming for these unusual heroes, including Robot Man coming to terms with his new life as a human. Hey, Collapser debuts on July 17th, written by Mikey Way, who apparently was also in My Chemical Romance. Hey, Mikey. And Sean Simon, co-writer of The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys, which we didn't like. Mm. Mikey is an adult that goes by Mikey. Mikey. All right. With art by Elias Kiriazis, who I remember enjoying. Very talented, yes. Liam James is a wannabe DJ whose life goals are almost completely dashed by his crippling anxiety until a package arrives in the mail containing a black hole that gives him amazing powers and draws him into a cosmic conflict far beyond anything he'd ever imagined. Really? We're doing this again? Yeah, Come on. <laughs> that old song and dance. But Liam will discover that when it comes to life, love, mental health, and superhero responsibilities, there's no such thing as a quick fix, and that power comes with a cost. That sounds heady. Good yeah, luck, gentlemen. We'll see where that goes. Finally... Far Sector will launch sometime in late 2019, written by novelist N.K. Jemison, creator of the Broken Earth series, with art by Naomi's Jamal Campbell, who is so talented. talented. Yeah, that guy is great. Newly chosen Green Lantern, Sojourner Joe Mullen, has been protecting the city enduring a massive metropolis of 20 billion people for the past six months. The city has maintained peace for over 500 years by stripping its citizens of their ability to feel. As a result, violent crime is virtually unheard of and murder is non-existent. But that's all about to change. This new series introduces a dizzying game of politics and philosophies as Joe discovers a brewing revolution in the city, aided and abetted by some of its most powerful citizens. Oh, what was that movie of Christian Bale? Where Gattaca. uh, No, no, not Gattaca. That was Ethan Hawke. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> equilibrium no. equilibrium equilibrium yeah it was like forget the forget matrix, the matrix. Equal, equilibrium and it was like this like dystopian future where everybody had to take uh emotion like drugs yeah, that rob you of your emotions yep. and they like solved crime and everything it's the same thing and they practiced the ancient art of gunkata yeah which was awesome where they just like predicted where you were and shot you and like walked out great. into firefighters oh man that movie ruled it's a very sounds good like movie. that I don't know. I'm glad Young Animal is back, and yeah, this yeah. is a lot of very talented people. They just, I like weird comics. I'm into weird comics. They need to be careful how weird it is, or no one will buy it. You know what I mean? I mean, I fell like off could, of Doom Patrol. I'm not that interested in Collapser, but this Green Lantern, this like stealth Green Lantern book, it sounds kind of interesting. The only one that I really liked was Cave Carson. That book was wonderful, and I am really sorry to see it that it's not coming Oh, back. you liked Mother Night, too, though, didn't you? Mother Panic. I did, but it just ended. It just stopped. Yeah. When books don't sell, they have to be canceled. I totally get you know, that. Obviously, but. yeah. No, I'm glad to see Young Animal back, and I'm glad that DC is still on board with trying weird stuff. Yeah. That's kind, of, that's kind of the big thing for me. Like DC is okay with experimenting. Ooh, and not one mention of the word pop-up. I like that. 
Uh, it's possible that I purposefully omitted it. Uh, yeah, I, hoping, I definitely omitted it on purpose. I don't want anything to ever pop up again. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with popping up. That is your nerd news for the week, but I'm sure we missed plenty of other stories while Matt was glued to playoff hockey and basketball. It's the best drug out there. Oh, my God. So hit us up on the THN Forum's big news section, or better yet, tune in to Cover to Cover live every Saturday where we broadcast on our Facebook page from 1130 to 1230 Central Standard Time. We're back this week, baby. That's right. It's like AM talk radio for nerds, minus all the Islamic terror, Notre Dame theories, and you control the content. All the like super right wingers be like, oh, it's probably Islamist. You know who likes to burn down churches? Huh? Huh? Black metal fans. <laughs> no one's looking into that. All right? It's right there in your face. Come on. So call us at 402-819-4894 or click the call now button on our Facebook page. And if you can't be there live, leave us a message or send an MP3 to 2 nerd at gmail.com. It's spotlight review time in the ziggurat and spring is in the air. Joe Patrick, what do you say we review two of this Wednesday, April 17th's new comics while we fill the mushroom beds with giant cave newt guano? Gross. Gotta do it. You should see these shrooms. They're beautiful. (laughs) This week, I'm reviewing Fair Lady Number 1 from Image Comics, written by Brian Shermer, with art by Claudia Balboni and Marissa Louise. It's 40 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Every fantasy epic ends with a war, but what happens when the war is over? I don't know. After posing as a man to join the army, Jenner Falds returns home to the Feld for a new start as a fair man. That is a lot of (laughs) F-words. A specially licensed private investigator, but sexism didn't end on the battlefield, and as the only fair lady, Jenner gets stuck with the cases nobody else wants. Hitting the streets to solve the Feld's overlooked mysteries, Jenner finds that the smallest cases hide the biggest secrets. That was good. Everyone knows Joe hates fantasy. I don't really. But what I do love is a good detective slash bounty hunter story. Writer Brian Shermer introduces us to the fantasy light world of the Feld, where there are fantastical elements. There's a town built into the hollowed out body of a giant mechanical man, for example. But it also seems more grounded. There are weird creatures, but no one is flying on dragons or hurling magical blasts. At least not yet. Yeah, this is barely fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fantastic, but it was barely fantasy. Sure. I love the idea that Jenner takes on cases that the authorities can't be bothered with, like the disappearance of a woman on the hook for money with two different businessmen. I enjoyed Jenner's no-nonsense personality and the rapport with her giant catman friend, Onu? Wanu. 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 Of course, Jenner eventually finds her mark, a woman broken by trauma, and has to make a tough decision to decide her fate. I'm not at all familiar with artist Claudia Balboni's work. I looked her up and she did uh, some Xenoscope stuff, I think. Yeah, she's pretty new. And uh, like the first thing I remember seeing her name on was Infestation, which was that Zombies versus Robots crossover that IDW did. Why do you remember that? Because it came out the month we started the show. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, I will take your word for it. <laughs> I thought she did a really great job here. Her combination yeah. of pen and brush reminded me a bit of Max and Sebastian Fiumara. 
She wisely starts each new scene with an establishing shot that gives the reader a greater impression of the world that the story takes place in. And I was especially impressed with her page layouts and how her panels controlled the flow of the story. Marissa Louise's less saturated color palette works well with the shadowy elements of the art. I've seen Fair Lady get a lot of comparison to Rat Queens, and while it's Mm. true that there are similarities in terms of the worlds that the books inhabit, Fair Lady is really more of a detective procedural, and it lacks the jokes and the raunchiness of Rat Queens, which is definitely not a bad thing in my book. Fair Lady number one is a great done-in-one detective story with fantasy trappings. I really enjoyed it. Each issue is going to be one complete 30-page story, For the same price as a regular comic, I think it's a great value. I'm giving it a buy it. Yeah, Image has been moving to a lot more of that, and I think it's working really well for them, and they don't have to get bogged down and stuff, and you can literally pick up any issue and just go, that was a fun read, and pick up the previous issue or the one after it or two later and read it and have a perfectly good time as well. I think the Max and Sebastian Fiumera comparison is excellent. Her art, Claudia Balboni's art, is very good, and she's really good with depth here. I wasn't sure why you picked this one until I started reading it. And uh, yeah, I instantly kind of loved it. Again, very fantasy light. I don't get the Rat Queens comparison at all. That didn't even occur to me. I think it's the closest thing people could come up with. I suppose. I think that's a cop out though. I think this was a different thing and I like what they're doing here. And I love these done in one detective type stories. I'm also giving it a buy it. Matt Bomb, you did not tell me I was going to have to read extra comics for this show. Too bad, sucker. I'm reviewing War of the Realms, number one and two from Marvel. It's written by Jason Aaron. It's got art by Russell Dodderman. Colors by Matthew Wilson, who is also coloring Jason Aaron's Conan and kicking ass there, too. Letters by VC's Joe Sabino. Your suggested soundtrack for this one is And We Have Seen the Storm, We Have Embraced the Eye by Chapel of Disease. They're fucking fantastic you should check them out it's sort of black metal inspired no but also thanks. very rock and roll really good stuff jason aaron's thor centric swan song is finally here and every part of this comic screams blockbuster the war of the realms has been coming for at least five years now and russell Dodderman might kill himself drawing this story in fact if you check this book out for no other reason do it just to see him draw blade the punisher spider-man and a ton of other heroes he's never had a chance to put on a page yeah. Issue number one begins with Malekith taking out some key players before his united army of ice giants, fire giants, angels, and trolls invades the streets of New York. You may remember Malekith from Thor 2, where he was sort of a space elf. Here, he's more of just a plain old dark elf. While Aaron's story is pure mayhem and chaos, he does a really great job reining it in just enough to create a flow and some great personal story moments. I've complained about the stakes of some stories being so high that it's impossible to feel anything for the story. Like Secret Wars. Right. Right. But Aaron balances his world-ending story with so much personality in his characters that the invasion of these ridiculous monsters from other realms feels real and completely relatable. Yeah. Issue two, the Midgard Massacre, (coughs) opens with... Bats the ghost dog, who we haven't seen for a while, helping New York evacuate to Dr. Strange's sanctum safe room, which can hold a couple million humans, of course. This is immediately followed by a great scene featuring Punisher and Wolverine mowing down elven raiders. I love that every time Wolverine someone shows up, someone looks at him and goes, <laughs> hold on, 
aren't you dead? Right. <laughs> like in this one, he's like, there's not enough, there's not enough beer in me to tell you that story. <laughs> the whole issue ends with a full on massacre on the streets of Manhattan with the death of a pretty beloved character. I can't say enough about this art team of Dodderman and Wilson. The two use a focus effect to create depth in panels that brings a very cinematic action film feel to each issue. Wilson's colors crackle with energy and swirl with glowing flame. Sometimes they are almost distracting, but I think they're supposed to be to show you how powerful these characters are. Two issues in, and War of the Realms seems to be a return to greatness for a big company-wide event at Marvel. Here's to hoping they can stick the landing. For now, War of the Realms is getting a buy it. Uh, there was also a big death in issue one. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I'm not buying that one. I think they pretty <laughs> much already spoiled that it's bullshit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, this comic book is great. Jason Aaron has a track record when it comes to big events that um, isn't great. Uh, yes. Original Sin. <clears throat> uh, but this is incredible. And it's just, an, uh, it's the logical extension of his Thor run. And I loved your analogy uh, or I don't know if it was an analogy, but what you said about cosmic events that have such high stakes that it's an impossible to like relate to. Or right. And I'm going to talk it. about that a little more in the ludicrous speed round here. And while this is definitely like cosmic in scope and we're talking about like the nine realms of, of, of existence and Asgardian gods and whatnot, it's also very earth centric and the stakes yeah. are very real. Right. And I love it, man. It's so good. Uh, it's a huge buy it for me. Dodderman is going to be a superstar when this is over. I mean, I think he's already concreted himself as one of the most talented artists working in comics today. That dude is sick, stupid, talented. So that is a double buy it for both War of the Realms 1 and 2 and Fair Lady number 1. We'll post our written reviews over at twoheadednerd.com so fantasy nerds can put them in the gallows and throw rotten produce at them. But we want to hear from you too, so call this weekend on THN Cover to Cover and let us know what you thought. With all hell breaking loose in the Nine Realms, Joe and I knew it was the perfect time to raid the Asgardian Bitcoin reserves while the gods were busy. Joe, while you drill through that Uru metal firewall, this is the perfect chance to review eight more of this Wednesday's new comics during... The Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Xena, Warrior Princess, number one from Dynamite. The cutest gay couple in fantasy comics returns with writer Vita Ayala doing a fantastic job on the writing. Xena is strong and caring, Gabriel's witty and snarky, and Ayala makes them feel like a real couple. The story here about a witch queen coming to take a village's children was solid enough, but there was some really quirky art that made the fight scenes hard to follow. All in all, not a bad return for Xena, but it could be better. I'm giving it a skim it. Are they for real a couple, or is that just fan yeah. stuff? No, they went on. They went full on. Like, they kiss. They're in bed together. Oh, they nice. are a couple, which I guess they were supposed to be in the original show. But they w WB wussed out and like, nope, too scary for 90s viewers. Yeah, so. it was the 90s. Major X, one and two from Marvel. 
How can one truly sum up the experience that is Rob Liefeld's major X without being a complete jerk about it? I think I can do it politely. Would you like to hear it? Uh, sure. Liefeld's fart. There you go. (laughs) Liefeld's script wallows in the most cliched X-book tropes, most of which he's responsible for. Alternate future gone wrong? Check. Mysterious gun-toting time traveler with a totally surprising familial connection? Mixing it up with the X-Men before joining forces? Check. We have to fight before you become friends. Come on. Multiple characters that all look like some variation of Deadpool? Check. Unnecessary X's inserted into proper names? Check. <laughs> the second issue gets a slight visual upgrade as Brent Peoples takes over from Liefeld on art duties, but the story is so bogged down with uninteresting flashback exposition. Rob is a genuinely nice dude, and I am happy for his success, but I am baffled at the fact that Major X made it past the editor's desk. Leave it. Yeah, they're just wallowing in. It's, and that's that's fine, but don't pretend like it's good. It's don't. terrible. It's, it's terrible. not good. It really is terrible. Mary Shelley, Monster Hunter, number one from Aftershock. This is a fun first issue featuring Frankenstein writer Mary Shelley learning that monsters are real, and the story behind her famous novel might be the fantasy. Really solid art here by Hayden Sherman, who isn't afraid to scribble some thick blacks on a page. His style is like the child of Ted McKeever and Howard Chaikin, and it works very well to project a gothic horror tone and look. Anymore, when you read blank Monster Hunter as a title, it's usually followed by a lot of bad jokes and nonsense action. Not here. Mary Shelley Monster Hunter was a well-researched and written first issue with a fantastic last page that had me ready to give my money for number two. Right now, I'm giving it a buy it. West Coast Avengers number 10 from Marvel. I have really loved Kelly Thompson's take on the West Coast Avengers concept, and it is a shame to see it canceled so soon. Didn't so. Yeah. This certainly isn't the strongest issue in the series, as Thompson rushes to wrap up all the dangling plot lines. Moy R's art is serviceable, but not as strong as some of the series' past artists. And the fact that it went through four art teams in ten issues probably didn't do the book any favors either. Hey, Major X has gone through two art teams in two issues. Well, that was (laughs) planned, though. Liefeld's only drawing the bookends. But overall, I think this was a great little run that had a ton of fun moments and introduced a few cool characters and concepts to the Marvel Universe. On the strength of that, I'm giving West Coast Avengers number 10 a buy-in. Justice League 22 from DC. I had a chance to catch up on Justice League on my flight from Orlando, and it seems James Tinney in the floor has gone full Jonathan Hickman. In this issue, he reveals the secrets of the multiverse, and I honestly have no clue what they mean. Perpetua, the villain Lex Luthor has been trying to summon, finally showed up last issue, and this issue is a five billion year flashback to her origins and the massively bizarre cosmic lunacy that was the creation of the multiverse, maybe, I think. (laughs) When the stakes are this high, it is so hard to take them seriously at all, and Tinian is going to have a hell of a time writing himself out of this one. I mean, like, what is Superman supposed to do? What is he going to do in this situation? It, it, it's just... Look, and I will say this. The art by Francis Manipal is absolutely stunning. That guy is so talented. But I can only give this book a skim it. It has just gone bonkers. Dude, I barely understand each issue of Justice League, and I fell so far behind. I've just... 
I, I don't get it. Seriously. War of the Realms, Journey into Mystery, number one from Marvel. Those good, good boys, the McElroys, creator of the Adventure Zone, make their big debut at Marvel with this fun War of the Realms tie-in series. A ragtag group of fan-favorite and forgotten characters must band together to protect Thor's baby sister? Huh? Yeah. What? What? <laughs> From Malekith's forces, the script is full of humor. The McElboys seem right at home in the Marvel Universe. Beautiful art by Andre Lima Araujo. I love that guy. Super talented And guy. a great surprise return on the last page. War of the Realms Journey into Mystery number one gets a huge buy-in. I'm actually kind of excited for the tie-ins to this one. Yeah. Star Wars TIE Fighter number one of five from Marvel. You know who I'm sick of? Those showboating X-Wing pilots. Always blowing up Death Stars, getting all the hot aliens. Good thing we can count on writer Jody Hauser to give us a compelling and very well-written story about a TIE Fighter squadron that's just doing their job. Excellent art by Rogue Antonia and Michael Dowling. I love when a writer isn't afraid to humanize the bad guys and Hauser does a fantastic job here. I'm giving it. Buy it. Yeah, that's the thing about the Empire, right? Is that a lot of those guys were conscripted. Yeah, they were just doing their thing, you know? I mean, come on. Like the Nazis, right? Oh, boy. Planet of the Nerds! Number... <laughs> that was a joke. It was a joke. I'm Jewish. I could say that. Planet of the Nerds, number one from Ahoy Comics. I've mostly enjoyed the offerings from Ahoy Comics' initial wave, and here they are with wave two. In Planet of the Nerds, a group of stereotypically 80s bully jocks get cryogenically frozen, awakening in the present day only to find that geeks have inherited the Earth. Sorry, guys. Paul Constance's script is enjoyably cheesy, peppered with plenty of 80s references, and the art by Alan Robinson and Randy Elliott is pretty decent, if a little bit anatomically challenged. <laughs> Unfortunately, almost all of the characters in this book are completely unlikable, so I don't know who I'm really rooting for, and I don't really care who gets beat up or who loses, or whatever. Planet of the Nerds delivers a fun story with interesting art, but I'm just not sure it completely clicked with me, and like all Ahoy books, though, it is packed full of content for your money, giving it a strong scale. Smash! That is your ludicrous speed round, and Smash! Is the sound of Tommy Monahan kicking a genetically engineered unkillable cat out a window, as seen in the pages of Hitman 1 Million. This onomatopoeia was submitted by Brian Domingos via Twitter. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can shave it into the side of your cat and kick it our way or hit us up on any of your social media. <laughs> Shoot us an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. No kitty cats were hurt in the making of this onomatopoeia. As discussed in a recent cover to cover, Hitman 1 Million is one of the greatest event tie-ins. It really is. It was such a great book. Now that we've made off with a massive Asgardian Bitcoin haul, it's time for some spring cleaning in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. Matt, you grab the power sprayer of Saturnine and see if you can get those bloody runes off the floor while I dust off the reading nook of Nastir. But I don't want to clean! You said we could take shrooms and pray to the Elder Gods for secret knowledge in next week's comics. Good news, buddy. While I was waiting, I summoned an ensorcelled fog and he's agreed to help clean up this mess and share his secrets of next week's comics. Boy, howdy. Now start spraying and tell these nerds about your must-read comic pick for next Wednesday, April 24th, The Future.
My pick goes to Ascender, number one from Image Comics. It is written by Jeff Lemire with art by Dustin Wynn. Here is your solicit. A Haunted Galaxy! Part one. I'm not going to read you about the powerhouse creative team because we all know how great they are. Set ten years after the conclusion of Descender storyline, magic has taken the place of machinery, and the rules are very different indeed. Mila, the daughter of Andy and Effie from Descender, spends her days exploring the lonely wilds of planet Samson and trying to stay out of the clutches of evil disciples of all-powerful vampire witch known only as Mother. But like her parents... Mila doesn't like to play by the rules. And when a certain robot pal of her dad shows up, nothing will ever be the same. With all the scope and heart of the sci-fi classic Descender, Lemire and Wynn reunite to take readers on an unforgettable fantasy quest. I cannot wait for more of this. Uh, This book is beautiful. Well-written, dreamy, psychedelic, excellent sci-fi. Pick this up. Uh, Through no fault of the book, I... Made it exactly three issues into Descender <laughs> before I fell off. You um, are the worst. <laughs> I really am. I hope it's not like too heavy in continuity. I hope it's uh, new reader friendly. No, you, know? you need to read Ascender first. This is part of a triptych. Mm, but it's like yep. totally different. Like the last one was sci-fi. This one's fantasy. Nope, it's still sci-fi. You need to read it. <laughs> it just starts at the beginning and it go through it. It says fantasy quest. So did Fair Lady. How fantasy was that? Okay, It was more fantasy than sci-fi. What is your pick for next week? Stop yeah. it. My pick for next week is Ghost Tree, number one from IDW, written by Bobby Kernow, with art by Simon Gain. It's 32 pages for $3.99, and here is your solicit. Seeking a refuge from an unhappy life. Brant returns to his ancestral home in Japan to find a haunted tree and the departed souls that are drawn to it. Including his grandfather, Brant attempts to heal some of history's wounds, but will he be able to find any measure of peace for himself when someone special from his past returns? A touching story about love, loss, and how the past never truly stays dead. Man, we can relate to that. Yeah, buddy. Uh, (laughs) So it's kind of a weird light week in terms of like high profile number ones. And I kind of like when that happens because it gives me a chance to focus on some like creator own stuff or or, uh, small publisher stuff. Right. Uh, I don't know no Bobby Kernow, but I love Simon Gain. Simon Gain drew the image series. They're not like us. Right. Very talented guy. Yes. I'm excited about this. Uh, and yeah, it sounds like a fun little story. Pick it up. I'm into it. The THM trade of the week goes to cannabis, the illegalization of weed in America, the hardcover from first second written and illustrated by our hero, Box Brown. It is 256 pages for $24.99. You could totally buy some weed with the money you save buying this book. That is a hardcover. It's crazy. Here's your solicit. From the 19th century to the 21st, cannabis legislation in America and racism have been inextricably linked. In 1518, Cortez introduces hemp farming during his violent colonial campaign in Mexico. In secret, locals begin cultivating the plant for consumption. It even makes its way to the United States through the immigrant labor force. It doesn't take American lawmakers long to decry cannabis as the vice of inferior races and spread lies about the dangers of cannabis. As a result, the plan is given a Schedule One classification alongside heroin. Box Brown delves deep 
into this complex and troubling story and offers a rich, entertaining, and thoroughly researched graphic essay on the racist legacy of cannabis legislation in America. It is absolutely true. Even the word marijuana comes from a very racist and dark place. You kind of lost the uh, voice there. Well, when we got to the end and then we were talking about Box Brown, I <laughs> switch back. I uh, cannot wait to read this. This uh, is so awesome. This book is out. It has already been released. Um, but the reason I picked it again for uh, this show is that First Second was kind enough to send us a review copy. And we will sometime soon uh, be reviewing this book on the show. Take a look. It's totally in the book. awesome. You better and, get it over here before you spill any coffee on oh, it. Oh, shut up. That happened one time. Jesus Christ. And really, is there anybody better right now at doing these graphic novel adaptations of historical events or pop culture events? The and- man wrote a compelling comic book about Tetris. So no, <laughs> like he is the best. I'm only sad that we missed out on his Andy Kaufman graphic novel. Oh, uh, maybe you missed out on it. I read it. It was wonderful. Matt, this place looks clean as a whistle, buddy. And those are some fine picks for next week. But I'm sure we're missing something. What do you nerds want us to read and review? Let us know on any of our social medias or shoot us an email at twoheadednerd at gmail.com. I believe the plural of social media is social medias. That is correct. Okay. I'm kidding. It's a joke. It's not correct. Social media. I get it. Perhaps you've heard the tale of J.D. Gotta Catch Em All. He's been a long time cover-to-cover stalwart, but what you might not know is he died six months ago. Whoa. You see, J.D., he bought a lake house where he reads digital comics from six months in the past. Then he emails in his reviews to us in the future. He's a lonely soul, but he doesn't even know he's dead. Ladies and gentle nerds, it's time for another dispatch. From the Marvel Lake House. Lake House is Lake House is Come in, Joe and Matt. Your favorite ghost to comics past, we got a catch. Sorry for the audio, audio quality, but I'm broadcasting from a central anomaly located somewhere behind Matt Bond's foot in the Canadian Empire. Here. Hey, let me try to fix this. Ah, that's better. All right. Here's your update from the Marvel Lake House for September 2018. So, while the boys were recording their 500th episode, someone stole several thousand insects from a Philadelphia museum, and the Supreme Court deliberated on appointing their very first keg stand champion. Here at the Lake House, we hope things are a little calmer six months from now. Over on the Marvel app, Jason Aaron's still killing it on Avengers and Thor, while Spencer and Soul are doing less so on Amazing Spider-Man and Daredevil. But my signal's short, so let's keep things positive. I find myself again completely captivated by a book by Kelly Thompson. Her current digital-only run on Jessica Jones with art by Mattia de Lewis is amazing. Unfortunately, I think the digital-only format didn't do them any favors, as I don't remember anyone talking about this. And to be honest, I'm not sure how I would have found it without the unlimited app. I read issues 1 and 2, which strangely hold parts 1 through 4, as each is a double-sized issue with two story parts in each. Not entirely certain why they did this in this way. Anyway, here's your solicit for issue 1. Blindspot! 
Part 1. Jessica Jones was once the costume superhero known as Jewel. She sucked at it. Now she's a private investigator at her own firm, Alias Investigations. She sucks less at that. With the purple man gone, her relationship with her husband, Luke Cage, and their daughter, Danielle, is better than ever. But her past always comes knocking. And then a woman whose case she fumbled winds up dead on her office floor. Jessica goes from private investigator to prime suspect. Can she find the real killer and clear her name? A double-sized Marvel Digital Original that you don't want to miss. Alright, right off the bat, Thompson gets Jessica's voice and personality down pat. The relationship depicted between Luke and their daughter, spot on, handled in a way that doesn't constantly put Luke in the story as coming to save his wife, but doesn't completely sideline him as a stay-at-home dad either. Thompson balances the voice given to Jessica by Bendis as well as the Kristen Ritter take from the Netflix series incredibly well and somehow takes those ingredients and makes a completely believable Jessica that is greater than the sum of its parts. The use of flashback and flash-forward makes for interesting noir-style storytelling, which is where Jess shines the best. I'm only two-thirds through the arc, but I'm already in love, thus echoing my love of Thompson's Hawkeye run last year. The artwork by David Lewis is incredible, balancing photorealism with excellent cartooning. The team utilizes a fun Polaroid motif, highlighting the little details that Jessica picks up as a detective It calls back to the bullseye motif used in Hawkeye. Now, I've heard criticism that Jessica in the comics shouldn't look so much like Kristen Ritter, but I think this is one instance of the show's influencing books that I'm, I'm okay with. Between Hawkeye, West Coast Avengers, and now I hear a rumor that Kelly's going to be taking on Captain Marvel sometime around the time that movie comes out, I am beyond excited for her talent getting recognized. Other than Marvel's promotion team shitting the bet on these digital exclusives, I'm excited for this book, and I think everyone else should be too. Buy it. So in my last dispatch, I was a little hard on the old webhead, mostly because I'm disappointed in what Spencer and company are doing on Amazing Spider-Man. But never fear, Chip Zdarsky is here to save the day with Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man. Issue 309 sees us wrapping up a little two-part story featuring the Sandman in a surprisingly deep moment. The previous issue, Sandman was losing his form, and Spidey took him to the beach to give him a proper send-off, only to be attacked by a version of the Sandman from the future that was traveling through the timeless grains of sand that make up their form to... Well, the story is bonkers, and the plot is... even more so, I can't explain it. But that's honestly what I love about it. This unadulterated Silver Age lunacy that Zdarsky is injecting into this book is a pure delight. And then you put Bacallo's hyperkinetic artwork on top of that? I'd be happy if this was my Spider-Man from here on out. Buy it. Well, alright, sounds like my signal's getting a little messy, so uh, I think I'm going to have to go ahead and uh, sign off now. But uh, remember, if you're not in a rush, you're not paying cover, everything deserves to be done. The video got a cat, signing off. See you next month in six months. Excelsior! Oh. That is it for THN 525. Joe Patrick. I think we offended just about everybody in this one. Before we move on, though, can you please ask the nerds a new question of the week? This week's question is still the old question. You may remember it. 
It was inspired by Agzilla and our friend Chase Magnet. Agzilla is also our friend. Right. Now that Captain Marvel has built a firm bridge between the Earth-based and cosmic MCU, what other heroes would you like to see in a cosmic solo film? We're not Too talking many. about no Guardians of the Galaxy here. No, 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 no. A solo film. Yeah, yeah. If you're new to this show and you'd rather Hayden Christensen shows up in the next Star Wars than listen to another second, I assure you it's only because you haven't heard enough of it. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital longbox archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. But hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. So we want to thank donors like... Our brand new donor, Jeremy Jackwatt. I know that I'm not pronouncing that right. I like it, though. What up, Jackwatt? <laughs> what a, what a total like Jackwatt. yell out the car like, Learn how to drive, Jackwatt! <laughs> Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to our old friend, Carl Smith. You may know him as Camarillo Brillo who recently relaunched his podcast. That's right. Goad Kicker is back! And you can find it on Stitcher, Spotify, and pretty soon, Apple Podcasts, and more. Or do you, Carl? Just keep on kicking those goads, okay? Yeah, but watch whose goads you're kicking. You know what I mean? Until next time, true believers! Remember to pre-order your comics. Your retailer might kick you in the goads. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off! It wrote itself! What are you is, kidding me? What is a goad? What do you mean? You don't have a goad? What is a goad and why does he want to kick it? I heard your goad fell off a long time ago. Oh. Yeah.